Culturecast. I always love when I get to talk to other women who have escaped cults because obviously that's my origin story too. Today I'm talking to Sarah who is now a writer and she helps people write for their own businesses, but she was married into a cult and one of the core tenets of her group was that motherhood was everything for a woman and she completely lost herself in motherhood. So today we're going to talk about how she actually used starting a business to find herself after motherhood. I'm Melissa Lyon-West, and on Permission to Live, you're going to hear powerful stories of women who turn their midlife crisis into a badass life. We'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly that comes when you finally say yes to yourself and why it is always worth it. These stories from women just like you are messy, honest, and 100% unfiltered. We'll be dropping new episodes every Wednesday where we interview women who found the courage to take a big, scary step towards their dreams, the things that they would have done differently, and how it looks on the other side. From universities to digital media companies, for over two decades, Sarah Dickinson has been a freelance writer, which led her to creating her business, The Nerdy Quill, where she helps women business owners and entrepreneurs in the queer community create the entire roadmap for building an audience through newsletters, emails, and everything written in between. Whether choosing to have it done for them or joining her Build Your Newsletter and Audience Coaching Program, where she teaches them how to do it all themselves, Sarah's expertise puts women on the road from where they are to where they want to go. But to get here, she had to go through a bit of an identity crisis. When her children grew up and her most precious full-time role was winding down, parenting her autistic daughter, she didn't know who she was without them. Lost and fearful of the future, this is her story of finding herself in business and realizing this was her time to thrive. Sarah, thanks for coming on Permission to Live. I'm really excited to share your story here, especially because we have quite a bit of shared storylines, kind of a little different, but very, very similar. So yeah, tell us, tell us your story. Tell us, um, you can start wherever you want, maybe in motherhood, how it kind of swallowed you whole. It really did. Um, I'm very excited to be here and to tell my story. So thank you. And thank you for that lovely introduction. Um, So I always knew I wanted to be a mom. Mom was, uh, it was just something I knew I always knew I was going to do. But when I was in my early 20s, I joined a church Okay, here we go. Just the way you said church, I'm like, here we go. (laughs) Yeah, turned out to be more of a cult than a church. And um, I ended up marrying a minister. So I was a minister's wife. And part of what they believed is that the only worth a woman has is to be a mother. And so everything, everything I did, I wasn't... um, Everything I did was wrapped up in being a mom. And eventually, I was able to break away from that. However, that mindset was still very much a part of me. And my entire life was wrapped up in my kids. I was the perfect PTA mom. I did all the play dates. Uh, I I was a dance mom and a karate mom. 
And, you know, I was at all the recitals and rehearsals and everything about me was just mom. Um, my, I have two kids, two beautiful children, and my youngest is autistic. And so uh, when they, when she was um, in grade six, we decided that it would be best to start homeschooling. So then I became a homeschooling mom, which just was checking even... all the different mom boxes. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I got them across the board. I've got them all. Yeah. So that uh, is an even more intense journey um, because then it's, you know, you're on 20. I mean, you're on 24 seven as a mom anyway, but as a homeschooling mom, there really isn't ever a break. And especially with uh, an autistic child, um, there's, um, there are other sort of extra support things that you need to do with, um, extra doctor's appointments and, and just making sure that, um, you're supporting them for what they need. And so, um, surprisingly enough, um, my autistic daughter just flourished. So when she was in grade six, we weren't even sure she was going to graduate high school. You know, she was probably going to live with us for the rest of her life. That was, we were sort of expecting that. However, she just dove into every support that we could find for her and grew and worked so hard that by the time she got to grade 12, she graduated with honors and is now in university. Wow. Like it, it, it's bonkers. It blew our minds. Wow. Like this was never supposed to happen. The problem was that it happened. And now everything I knew that I had for the future was now older. My oldest had graduated and is off doing their career. And now my daughter, who I was supposed to be taking care of for the rest of her life, Surprise! <laughs> now independent, and she, um, after never ever having any friends, um, now you know has a friend, and now even has a girlfriend, and is going to university. And I had no idea what to do. Um, I didn't know. I, I wasn't Sarah. Mm-hmm. I was Carlea and Kayim's mom. That's all I was. I did. I didn't know what else to be. I didn't know who I was outside of that. So this yeah. entire, so like this entire time, you're just mom is all I am. Mom's yeah. all I'm supposed to be. Mom yeah. is the top priority. Yeah, my entire suddenly, adult life. Yeah, and then suddenly you're like, oh, I don't need to just be mom anymore. Yeah, it was. It, it felt like it felt like my entire de- identity was being ripped away from me and because um, it kind of was right like because mom was your only identity yeah so I have many of my friends all of my friends are younger than me um and uh I they all have jobs and none of them have children they're all off working and doing different things and so none of my friends understood what I was going through and I just I felt so alone (laughs) and there was many, many tears. Um, I fell into quite a depression. Um, and I couldn't, couldn't find a way out. I was, it was a really, really dark time. Uh, for about six or eight months, I was just lost. Um, and then I, uh, my best friend, um, uh, was 
um, part of a business group. And she just loves this um, businesswoman named Rachel Rogers. And she read her book and was like, you need to read this book because you can, I think there's something in here for you. So I started reading that book and reading a book from another couple of really powerful business women, and a couple of them moms, a couple of them not, and sort of slowly wrapping my head around, well, maybe I could be more than that. And while I had been homeschooling, because I love to write, I just, I love to write. I've been writing as long as I could hold a crayon. Um, I had been doing writing and coaching authors and that kind of thing um, as my daughter had gotten older and into the higher high school grades. And so one of the companies that I had worked with, uh, the owner came to me and said, you know, you're really, really good at this. And I know that you're kind of wondering what you should do now. You know, why don't, why don't you think about, you know, going into business and getting paid real money for doing what you're doing? And so then I started reading more of these books and that Kara gave me and listening to more podcasts and kind of wrapping my head around, okay, maybe I can do this. So I got one client who was a friend of mine who okay. reached out to me and said, hey, I really need some help with this. Do you think you can help? And I'm pretty sure she was, um, I'm pretty sure that my best friend had talked to her. Okay. And said, Put her up to I, it. <laughs> yeah, I, I really need you to do this for Sarah because Sarah's just, you know, she's so lost. I, I need you to give her a little boost. And so I um, started writing some blogs for her and um, getting paid for it. And it felt really good. It, it made me feel like I had worse again, that um, there was something more to me than just being a mom. And so then I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. So then I started putting together my business and, and it has made me feel like I am a contributing member of society without being a parent. Like I'm still a parent, 100%. Um, my daughter still lives at home. Um, she goes to university, like the university is in our hometown. So she still lives at home, but I mean, she doesn't need me nearly like she did before. So she's completely independent. Um, so I am still a mom, but I'm not, my whole identity isn't wrapped up in that. And I'm still supporting my kids emotionally and all the ways that moms do, but in the way moms do when their kids are grown up and I can, I've learned how to be Sarah again as opposed to just Carlea and Kyan's mom. That is, oh my gosh, I resonate with all of this that you're saying so much. So mine happened right in the middle of the little years for me. Like my, my youngest was maybe two when I went through this. And I was like, I don't, this like dark depression time that you're talking about, like I went through the same, it was about six to eight months. And it was just like, I don't know who I am if I'm not a mom. Because my group mm -hmm. taught the same thing, like, have as many babies as you can, stay mm -hmm. home, take care of them, homeschool them, make all the food, do everything for them. And that's great. Some people love it. I didn't love it. <laughs> and that's totally <laughs> fair. It's a lot of work. Yes. But you do get to that point where you're like, okay, but what else? Yeah. What now? Yep. If not this, then what? I have no idea. Yep. And I think normalizing that in between part mm -hmm. is really important. Yeah. Because- it's almost 
it's almost this rite of passage for uh, specifically moms who've lost themselves in motherhood. When you're waking up from that, mm-hmm. there's that period of like, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Everything I was, ar- everybody that I was around was living the life that I was living. And now I'm saying, I don't want to live that anymore. I don't have anybody to talk to. I have to find a whole new group of people and I don't know where they are or how to do it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's not talked about very much that in between. It really isn't. And when, during the homeschooling, when my daughter was just shortly after we started homeschooling, uh, when she was in about grade eight, um, she was starting to gain a little bit more independence. So I started um, crocheting and I really love to crochet. It's one of the way, one of the things that really relaxes me. And so I started crocheting these little nerdy stuffed collectibles and my friends just went wild over them, thought they were great. So I kind of, op- I opened a business um, crocheting the nerdy stuff, these little nerdy things and going to craft fairs and markets. And it got to the point where I was spending so much time um, prepping for these markets that um, I felt like I was ignoring my family. Now, the caveat on that was I wasn't actually spending that much time. It was just the guilt of trying to have something outside of the family. Oh, the mom guilt. Right? Yeah, it was just so much guilt that eventually it got to the point where I wasn't even enjoying crocheting for for anymore. So it wasn't even relaxing anymore. It was just so focused on if I'm sitting still, if I even have a moment to myself, I better be crocheting because otherwise I'm going to be taking time away from the family. And God forbid that you actually take time for yourself. (laughs) Yeah, right? That's just not acceptable. So yeah, it was just this tremendous amount of guilt if I was going to do anything for myself. So that didn't work out. How how did you work yourself through that that mom guilt? How did I work myself through the... You know what? It was really hard to work myself through the mom guilt. And I didn't do a very good job of it. That's okay. That's life, right? <clears throat> you know, the way I worked then, it, it's a lot of that has to do, a lot of that was just built in from being in the call. It, you know, the way I worked through the mom guilt was to do more, mm. right? Bake more cookies, spend, do more fun things, right? So not healthy. Kind of counter counterbalance the time you're taking for yourself. By somehow finding more time to give to other people, even though Absolutely. all your time is already being given to them. Absolutely. So in the time frame of this, I mean, obviously you're not in this group anymore. Mm-hmm. How, where does that fit in? How did you get out? How, when so, um, so I got out because um, my husband at the time became violent and I it was one thing when he was violent towards me, but it steadily got worse over our marriage. And it got to the point where um, he started getting very verbally and um, verbally abusive and emotionally abusive towards the kids, especially my oldest. Um, and then um, he got physical once with my oldest. And at that point, I was like, okay, like, I am, it is one thing when it's me, but when you attack my kids, like mama bear is here. And so I left him 
But in order for me to leave him, of course, I was completely shunned. Right. Like that's just, that's just not acceptable. That's what comes along with the territory, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that was essentially me leaving. And then once I left, it was this whole new world because I did have a few friends outside of the church that was outside of the cult that was like, they just did not agree with any of it. And they had been telling me for years, like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? And so when I left, they just welcomed me with open arms and were fully supportive. And then it was sort of this very slow, gradual process of realizing that, hey, maybe that wasn't quite as healthy as I thought it was. (laughs) Yeah. I'm only laughing because I understand. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One good thing that um, probably the best thing that did come out of that, though, is it was a huge wake up call for my kid's dad. And so the person that he is today is not the person that he was back then. He also ended up leaving the cult and getting a significant amount of help and doing a huge amount of work and is now um, a very sweet soft man who is completely nonviolent and yeah but I mean violence was it was violence towards your wife was just naturally accepted you know if your wife did something you didn't like it was not a big deal to give her a smack around right yeah so like in these group it's like a breeding ground for violence towards women and children yeah they have no rights they have no voice Mm -hmm. and it's and, and like you said like often it's just these men grow up in it and yep. they're like, this is normal. This is acceptable. Yep. Yep. And they just lean into it until, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very grateful that your story ended differently because so often when you leave somebody, they're like, all right, bye. And they never change. So that's awesome that, that your, your leaving had such a ripple effect that not only changed your life, it changed the kids' lives and it changed his life. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, very lucky and I'm very aware of how lucky I am. Um, I was able to get away from them, get away from him and basically hide and so that and send the message to him that you will not see your children at all if you are still involved there and if you don't get help and that he valued his family, his children as that much that he was like, okay, that's my wake up call. And he was able to change that because now he's, he, after that, he was a very involved father Mm -hmm. and still is very involved father. And yeah. So, so how, how old were, how old were your kids? That's what I'm talking about. Just cut that all out. (laughs) How Uh, old were your kids when you left? uh, The kids were 10 and eight. Okay. Yes. I believe they were 10 and eight. Okay. So here you are, your kids graduate high school. Mm-hmm. You're like, wait a second. I thought I was going to be super involved with my daughter. And now yeah. I, I'm out of a job basically. Yeah. That's a scary, that's a scary time, right? We've already talked about like this dark depression of like, I don't know what's next. Yeah. This is incredibly common. Mm-hmm. So many of the people I work with, maybe they've lost themselves in motherhood. Maybe not. Maybe it's something else life changing, but they're like, I don't know what's next. And that is terrifying. The brain cannot stand not knowing what's next. Yeah. And you know what? It wasn't fair because I grew up in a family. There are six kids in my family. My dad was a single dad. Um, He's a a family therapist. And there's six kids. There's me and I have five younger brothers. 
Oh, wow. And yeah. And he always told me, you won't be able to like, it's great. I can't wait until you guys are all out of the house. Like then it's going to be my time, you know, party time. Don't ever ask me to babysit because when you guys are done, I'm done parenting. You know, I'm not babysitting grandkids. Like he was all about it. Right. So I was fully expecting that when that happened, when that time came, it was going to be easy because my dad made it look so easy. What a lie. (laughs) Like, not my truth. <laughs> no. So if you're talking to somebody who's in this space, right? They're like, I don't know who I am outside of this kid's mom. And I don't know what to do next. Yeah. Looking back, if you could talk to yourself then, what would you say? Like, what what are like one or two things that helped you through that time? I would say it's okay and be gentle with yourself and start with, try, start with finding even just one thing that you enjoy that is not related to your children. Just one thing that you enjoy. Um, try and think of something that you enjoyed before you had children. So for me, that was right before I had kids. I wrote all the time. I went to I went to university for creative writing. And so that was sort of the thing that drew me out. So try and think of one thing you enjoyed before you had kids, because everybody had a life before they had children. Everybody did something. Even if, even if you started your family when you were in your teens, you, you enjoyed something, some sort of hobby, some sort of something when you were younger. So find that one thing. I love that and, tiny step, like the yeah. very tiny step. Like you don't have to go out and start a business. You nope. don't have, you don't have to, right? Like if you, you don't have to ch- make these major changes because that's so often it's like. You get overwhelmed by now what? Yeah. And you're like, well, what, what's going to happen in the next five years? Like, okay, let's take it way down to like, what's one thing I can do this week? Yeah. That reminds me that I'm a woman outside of parenting and being a mother, right? And just yeah. like, yeah, I love that idea of one. Which, and like, and yes, like going back, sometimes you can even go back to when you were a kid. Yeah. And being like, what is for me? I was like, what? I actually had a therapist ask me that. What did you enjoy doing as a kid? And for me, I found so much safety from my life in the woods. And she was like, well, go back to the woods. Go hiking. Yeah. Join a hiking group. And that honestly changed my life. And it had nothing, like, it It changed my life and it changed the trajectory of my life. But it wasn't something that had so much weight on it, like starting a business or or moving yeah. or, or, or changing careers. It didn't have to be this massive change. Like I just yeah. literally just like, went, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just going to say like, if someone would have said, Hey, you should go out and start a business, right? Like you don't know what you're going to do now. Complete go start a business. <laughs> I would have been like, um, no, I already did that. Right. And it completely failed because I felt so guilty. No, I'm not doing that. Right. But instead, um, my best friend was like, here, you should read this book. I can read a book, right? Which I think I know what book you're talking about and it's fantastic. Is it Everyone Should Be a Millionaire? Yes, it is. So good. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, and then after, you know, here you should read this book, it was, hey, can you help me out with this project I'm doing? Right. I know you like to write, you know, can you write a thing? And I was like, yeah, I can write a thing. So I wrote a thing. 
And it reminded me just how much I love to write. I love to write. I'm going to write a lot of things. It makes me feel really good. Hey, I'm a writer. That's what I am when I'm not a mom. I'm a writer. I love this. It's like following this, the thread of curiosity. Yes. It's saying like, okay, what does this, this piques my interest. I'm just going to go try it. I'm just going to go take a class. I'm just going to do this thing for my friend. No strings attached, no weight attached, no lasting life changes attached. Yep. Just one. And this is, this is such a a beautiful way of finding something that brings you fulfillment Mm -hmm. because it's allowing yourself almost this element of play. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And you completely lose that being a mother, I think, because I mean, you'll sit and play with kids, but there's so much responsibility. And when you lose yourself in that motherhood, it's like everything is like lists and planning and weight and obligation. And when you get out of that and you're like, okay, let me just follow the curiosity. Let me see if I like this. Oh, this feels fun. Mm -hmm. Let me do a little bit more. Yep. Yeah. I have have a friend now who has a toddler and um, we're quite close. So she knows my story. And she was quite afraid already with a toddler, afraid of ending up in 20 where I was. Um, And so she was sort of asking me the same kind of questions. And I was like, well, just remember what you like to do and make sure you set aside time, you know, even even once a month, if you if you don't have time once a week, even once a month. Just block out an hour or, you know, a couple of hours to do that thing, just so you don't completely lose it so that, you know, you don't get 20 years down the road when your kids are now graduating and now you don't even remember what that thing is. So just to keep that little piece, right? That's that's so good because the more you get away from it, the more you forget that it's okay. Yeah. Right. And so those little years, I mean, goodness, they take so much of your time. It's mm-hmm. it's just, there's no right or wrong to it. It's just that these tiny humans need so much help being kept alive. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you might not have like, literally like parents don't have a lot of time to themselves in those little years. No. Uh, but carving out that time anyway, and yeah. saying, this is so important. This yeah. is so important that even though our life is literal chaos, with these tiny humans are trying to keep alive. I'm still going to take time yeah. just to myself. And I was in this stage when I was finding myself. I had four kids at this point. My youngest was two. And I had a friend tell me, because I had gone away uh, to visit her. And I was calling my husband, trying to help him figure out something over the phone. And I got off and she was like, you know what? If you keep calling to check in, when are you going to actually restore? When are you going to actually replenish if you're still trying to be there when you're not there? And I was like, oh, wait, am I allowed to not be there when I'm not there? (laughs) Like literally, that's what I thought to myself. Like, am I allowed? Am I allowed to not check in and not make sure they're okay? And she was like, yeah, I'm giving you permission. When you're not there, don't be there. Yeah. He can figure out everything just like you figured out everything. Yeah. Changed my life. Yeah. One of the things I did was I went on holidays with my now partner, um, Dwayne and my best friend. And when we went, um, I was, we were gone for a week and in the amount of time it took 
for us to fly. Now, it's a 12-hour flight to England. Now, I've always wanted to go to England my whole life. I just, my soul lives there. I just love everything about England. In the 12 hours it took for us to fly from Vancouver, BC to Eng- to London, there were um, 15 messages. Shit, that's too many messages. <laughs> right? And then every single day I spent, now the kids are staying with their dad, but I spent the entire higher holiday parenting and then um uh, last year I think it was now both of my kids were still living at home at the time um so last year I was uh going away with my girlfriends um for one night about two hours away from my house in a different city just for me and my best friends just to get away because of pandemic we'd all been locked in our house hadn't spent any quality time together um, my girlfriend was like, listen, I want you just to leave your phone at home because <sighs> I have like you, the whole time I've known you, you can't even go out for coffee. You can't do anything. You can, you go out with one kid and the other kid is messaging you constantly. Like you spend your entire life parenting over the phone. I want you to leave your phone at home so that no one can contact you and you can have a rest. Did you have a mild panic attack? Complete panic attack. (laughs) I was like, I don't think that that's, what if the house, what if one of them dies? What if the house falls down? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? They have my number. If there's any emergency, like true emergency, they can get a hold of me. They don't need you. We forget that for millennia, humans Mm -hmm. have existed without instant contact. Yeah. They have figured shit out on their own. Because mom is in the woods or mom is in another town and we can't get to like, they have figured it out. But now we are constantly connected. Yeah. Every time I go away with friends who have kids, I feel like one of them is checking in or like help the other parent deal with something. Yeah. And I just keep going back to, I'm just so grateful for that, that friend who told me you have permission to disconnect. Like you have, you have made the choice. To leave your kids with somebody you trust. Yeah. Somebody who's competent. Yep. Now actually leave. And that, <laughs> I'm, so, I, I mean, like my husband and I are going on a vacation in just a few days. First mm-hmm. one we've taken in just years and years. I'm doing a massive amount of work on the front end to organize all like four kids, three babysitters, two different houses. Like it's a lot. But I can tell you this. When I get on that plane, I am not. I'm not, I mean, maybe I'll check in once or twice, but I'm not calling. I'm not, I'm, if there's an emergency, they can call me, but I am actually going to take a break and I'm so fucking excited about it. Oh my God. I am so proud of you because <laughs> yeah. this is something I would have never been able to do. That's so exciting and so empowering. And I am so excited for you. That is incredible. It is like, I'm, I'm I know, I know that this like, has taken years to get here, mm-hmm. right? Because it doesn't, it's not like you just decide, okay, I can leave my kids and I'll be fine. The first time, same. I like had a little bit of a, a panic attack. I actually was weaning my son on that first trip when she was like, hey, you don't have to check in. I was like, I think we're all going to die if I don't check in. <laughs> so here we are five years later and I'm about to be gone for a week on vacation. And I, this is what, same friend, she would say to her kids, I can't wait to miss you. Oh. 
And I was like, that's brilliant. Yes, because it does like it's such a nice feeling to miss the people you love. Yeah. And I feel like when you are deep in the trenches of motherhood, which can be years depending on how you mother, right? Yep. You don't ever miss your kids. You're always with them. You're always connected to them. And that is exhausting. It is exhausting. It's like such a good recipe for burnout. And yeah. Yeah. And both of my kids still live at home. Um, Although my oldest spends about 50% of their time over at their boyfriend's house. Every time they go, every time they go away, they come home and I'm like, wow, I really missed you. It's only been four days, but I really missed you. And it is now just now getting to the point where I'm like, I'm, I think I'm ready for them to just go. And I'm looking forward to them coming home for Sunday dinner or them coming home at Christmas. And wow, has it taken me a long time to get to that place. And I love that, that your friend says, I can't wait to miss you. Because yeah, like that just sums it up. Like, I can't wait to miss them. Not quite there yet with my daughter. (laughs) That's okay. Everyone's journey is different. But yeah, no, but also like um, 2020, hindsight is 2020, right? And I just, I love, I'm so excited for you and that your friend can feel that way about her kids because wow, I so wish that Sarah from back then could have felt that way. And I wish I could go back and tell her like, it's going to be okay. You can be a human all on your own. It's going to happen. Yeah. I do what love I do love being in the place I am now and looking back and thinking about telling myself. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'll say, I'll, I say this all the time. If Melissa five years ago could see me or if Melissa 10 years ago could see me. Yeah. And because right, we all have our different journeys. And yes, if we could go back, I mean, goodness, if I could go back, I'd be like, Hey, babe, let's get out of this cult a lot sooner, right? Like, oh, yeah. I'd be kidnapping myself and hauling yes. hauling myself away. Just like, run away. Yeah. But there's so much beauty, I think, in looking back at your own story and looking mm-hmm. at what you have gone through and how much you've grown and how much you've loved yourself through all of this hard. Yeah. To get where you are now. And yeah. yes, of course, we would change a million things if we could go back. But I love looking back and saying, look how far I've come. I mean, literally, I have it tattooed on my arm. Babe, look how far you've come. Because oh, I'm, I'm showing it. I to love her it. Zoom. I love it. Um, I get discouraged sometimes thinking about I'm not where I should be. I'm mm-hmm. so behind. Everybody is, you know, 10, 15 years ahead of me. And that a lot of that is there, there can be truth in that, right? Like I bought my first home. I'm almost 40. I have four kids. Like most people are 15 years ahead of me in that area, right? But when I say like, babe, look how far you've come. Five years ago, you didn't have a credit score. Oh, right? wow. Yeah. Like 10 years ago, you didn't have, well, let's see, six years ago, I didn't have a career. I was living on a commune and a cult. Like, look how far I've come. Yeah. Look at what you've done. And you can be so proud of yourself no matter what your story is. Yeah. But timelines they're bogus they're bullshit right like everybody's story is so different depending on where you're born and how you were raised and who was around you and what support you had and like you had these beautiful people 
to support you and hold you when you left your husband. Yep. Like some people don't have that. And so not like taking the comparison away and looking at your own story and being like, wow, if Melissa or if Sarah from 10 years ago could see that I'm running my own business and I'm letting my kids fly, like she would be so in awe. Oh yeah. And I think that's such a cool part of owning your own story. Yep. Because otherwise it gets so depressing and discouraging. Like if I look at somebody else's story, I, you know, I've helped people. I helped this one woman in particular leave the group when she was 18. And I look at her story. So in the beginning, I would look at her and be like, man, why couldn't I have been like her? Why couldn't I have gotten out when I was 18? And my therapist was like, um, you helped her get out. You didn't have you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's right. We have different stories. We have different stories, right? And like my person didn't come along until I was in, I was like 28 when my person came along to help me out. And I think especially, especially moms, because there's so much pressure put on us and there's so much comparison among mothers to be this like super mom. So we are Mm -hmm. really fucking good at comparing ourselves. Uh, Yeah. My, um, now that I've, now that I'm working and I've got this business that I love, I often compare myself to my best friend who is running her business and she's been running her business for 20 years because she doesn't have children and she doesn't intend on having children. She loves the life she has and is very successful in the life she has. And, um, her, she's been building a business for 20 years. And so she is significantly farther ahead than me. And her husband is also runs his own business and has been doing so for 23 years or something like that and is significantly farther along than me. And so I look at them and when I was first starting out, I would look at them and I would talk to them and I don't have, I think I'm starting too late. It's too late for me. You know, I I can't do what you do. And they're like, well, of course you can't. You're not doing what we do, right? Like you're not an, you're not a tattoo artist and you know, you're not a designer or whatever the heck he does, right? You're, you're a writer. You're going to do what you do. And, um, lots of people start over when they're 40. Like lots of people do it. Yes. Right. Lots of people do. In some countries it's expected and celebrated. Exactly. They're like, do you know how many people go back to university to change careers when they're 40? And to be fair, my mother graduated from medical school when she was 42. So I was like, yeah, but my mom was, they're like, no buts here. You are going to do what you're going to do and stop comparing yourself to us. We've been doing what we're doing for 20 years. Of course, you're not going to be at the same spot as us. That doesn't mean that you're not going to be amazing and great and wonderful and that you can't do it. Stop comparing yourself. So now I have to, I'm constantly reminding myself, no, I have all of this experience from being a mom, which gives me fortitude. It gives me commitment. It gives me drive because these are all things that you need in order to be a mom. 
right? So I got a leg up on them when it comes True. To, to these things, right? You're like, I can so, stay up all night and work on this project. I know how to work without sleep. Yep. I have, I've got project management experience coming out of my ears that these two people over here do not. Because let me tell you, in order to raise two kids, in order to raise kids, you got to be organized. It's so true. <laughs> so when I decided to go back to work, I had been a stay-at-home mom for 10 years at this point. I made, I took every single fucking thing I could from motherhood and I put mm-hmm. it on my resume. Yeah. And I, I tweaked those words until they looked like business words, right? Like, I mean, yep. I didn't fudge them. I just meant like I took a mothery skill and yeah. I put it into the business world terminology. Yeah. Because yes, like if you're a parent... You have such a skill set that is literally like foisted upon you that you never expected that you would need. Yeah. And I mean, we're all project managers, just hands down. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's so many different ways to look at any type of new challenge coming from motherhood and parenting. It's just a mindset shift. Yeah. That's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. And the other thing about starting too late, like, no. Nope. No, there's no such thing. I would, I mean, I I have been in all of these feelings and sometimes am in these feelings, right? And I often tell my clients, like I have my own coach to tell me the same things I'm telling you, right? Because I I can tell you and then I can turn around and tell myself something completely different. That's the way it works. Yes, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I often, I'm like, I will get, you know, oh, I'm too late. I'm too behind. Look at this other person. And it's always reminding myself, like, no, coming back to nobody else is doing what I'm doing. Yeah. They can't. No. They can't because I'm the only one with my story and my magic and my skills and my power. I'm the only one. Absolutely. And if I don't do what I do, it's never going to be out there for anybody. Exactly. Nobody else can do it like us, right? Yep. And I'm still going to age. I might as well age while doing the thing that I want to do. Absolutely. We're absolutely, we're still going to age. We're still going to get older and we may as well be having fun while we're doing it. And doing it on our terms, right? Yes. I do not want to go to work for anyone else ever again. (laughs) Me neither. I want to be able to, and this was another big thing that sort of came up for me was, okay, maybe I can join the workforce again um, because I'm also disabled. And so that was part of my identity too and worked really well with being at home home being a mom because I didn't have to be in the workforce. It wasn't expected of me. But now that I'm not raising children, now it's kind of expected that I should go out to work. But that just doesn't work with my body, right? And so I'm like, oh, no, I guess I should go in the workforce. But one of the things that I really like is being available to my children. And if I have to go out and work in the workforce, how how am I going to be available to my children at the drop of the hat, right? So starting my own business not only gave me my identity back, but also gives me the flexibility that um, if my daughter needs me or my oldest needs me for something, right, if an, uh, an appointment comes up or if they just need emotional support, I can be like, yeah, I can take the afternoon off because guess what? I make my own schedule, yes. right? Yes. So I, I can that. still I can still be there for them in the capacity that they need at this point because they're they are completely independent but I'm still their mom and they still do need me yeah and that's what you want it's all about creating that life that serves you yeah our lives are not going to look anything alike 
because yep. what I need is not what you need and what you want is not what I want. And so this idea that you can create any type of life that serves you yes. and that looks in it. You want to start your own business, babe, you can do it, right? Yep. If you want to go back to the workforce after being a mom, you can do it. I, I oh, did yeah. it. I Absolutely. Did. Yes. And, and a lot of, so sometimes I help women who are like, I want this other thing. I don't want to start my own business. That's not at all what I want. I'm like, cool. Don't do it. You wouldn't be good at it because you don't love it. Right. Yeah. Like you don't have to start a business to create a life that serves you. No, my mom graduated from medical school when she was 42 years old because we grew up and she was like, hmm, I was a lab tech when the kids, when I had the kids, what do I, you know, that's boring now. I'm going to go to medical school. So when we were in high school, she went back to medical school. Wow. She graduated and she became a doctor because yeah. that sounded good to her. So yeah, that's what she did. I love this. And I love this. That's, that's a pretty badass move on your mom's part. Yeah. Um, I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. I love the idea that everybody's life, everybody's life looks different and that's the beauty of creating something that serves you. Yep. And hearing other women's stories, getting inspired by them, but not needing to pattern your life after them. Absolutely. You do you. I love it. Yeah. You do what makes you happy and brings you joy. I love as it. Long as, as long as you do you and not you do everybody else. Right. Because you're not going to be happy that way anyway. No. You're just going to be worn out. This yeah. is this, The more that you become or, or lean into who you are, Find out who you are. Find out what lights you up. Lean into that magic and that power. Life just becomes easier. Yep. It becomes oh, yeah. easier it's because so you're not fun. Yes, because you're not trying so hard. You're not trying to yeah. impress. You're not trying to be somebody else. You're not trying to fit into this mold. You're like, no, like you, part of you is a mom and you love that. And so that takes up part of your life. Yeah. But you're not trying to force yourself into this mold where it's everything. Yeah. And so life is, yeah, it's, you're having more fun. Out mm -hmm. to the yes. Okay. Thank you so <laughs> much for coming on, for sharing your story. I um, had so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I'm going to put all of your contact information below. Um, yeah, but how can people reach you? How can they find you? So um, my website is uh, thenerdyquill.ca and you can reach me at the Nerdy Quill on Facebook and at the Nerdy Quill on Instagram. And yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. That's all for now, but I'm going to be back next Wednesday with another awesome episode. In the meantime, if you're feeling like you're on the first half of this life-changing awakening, you're ready for action, but you need clarity because you don't know what the hell to do next, then you've got to get on my email list. That's where I talk about walking with fear, gaining confidence, and living a life that serves you. You can sign up to receive my free guide called Unlocking Your Bad Bitch Magic. In this roadmap, you get the exact steps that I use to go from scared people, please, to a confident badass so that you can figure out your very next step. You can find it at melissalionwest.com forward slash free or in the show notes below. Okay, I'll see you back here next week. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. 
Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.